0: I always have to fluff my hair before I start, or else it doesn't feel official. So.
1: It's
0: a ritual. <laughs> it's a ritual. Hello everybody, Chawan here. I'm mm-hmm. so excited to talk to Joey Morris. Hi Joey! Hi, thank you for having me. We're going to be discussing something that I know literally zero about, and even though I knew I was talking to you, I was like, I'm gonna try to go into this as if, you know, like you and I, we were at a cocktail party and I'm like, oh, like, what do you do? And you're like, oh, I'm a daughter of Morgan. And I'm like, what? So I purposely <laughs> did as little research as possible on the Morgan. We're also gonna talk about something that I read that really moved me you discussing your past and how you do this like primal scream magic mm-hmm. i also want to talk to you about shadow work um, i think the witchcraft that you do is so amazing because it's not the typical love and light it goes deep into the shadow and that is something that i am so on board with first i wanted to say that i've watched some of your videos and um girl you are rocking the pink wigs <laughs> what i really love about your channel is you know i see you putting on the wigs i see you putting on the rhinestone so i was just like oh my god I already feel connected to you (laughs) because of that. I feel as though a lot of people, they shit upon especially women and especially young female witches who love Mm -hmm. to look glittery, who love to put on the makeup, who love to do all that. But here you are, and you've been doing these YouTube videos and doing these like witchy, like really intense, full of like really great information videos for years and years and years. You're obviously not just somebody who's coming in for the aesthetic and yet Mm -hmm. you are putting on the aesthetic.
1: I think it's a very difficult line for me because we can never truly know what's going on behind the scenes of somebody's experience. And we don't want to try and take away from how serious they may or may not be. We don't know whether or not that um, they're not coming into witchcraft from a very serious place or a place of trauma. We don't know what's happening behind the scenes. And I think it can be very easy to fall into the trap of thinking, we know that they're only coming into witchcraft from a place of aesthetic because they have fixated on that part to begin with. And I think when we're beginners, we do kind of get drawn visually because that's a strong way of connecting. It gives us a sense of of purpose and a connection to something. We feel it on a level which is, we can't fully perhaps explain it yet, but we're like, that aesthetic really draws me in and I'm not quite sure why. Mm -hmm. When I started, The craft was around uh, and there was a very sort of gothic-y, dark witch vibe and I thought that was gorgeous and I really loved that. That's not quite what's happening now, but we have to allow people to kind of transcend from being purely beginner and not quite sure about the knowledge yet to becoming more learned and and having an idea of what it means. So for me, I think it's important to try and get across a balance between depth and aesthetic so to tell a story with the aesthetic that draws people in and and makes people think there's something here underneath but at the same time be providing a a depth a a a reason a a life path instead of just a lifestyle and so they kind of merge for me and it infuses into one being it's a very difficult thing because i understand on on the one hand i understand people feeling like they don't want their witchcraft to be cheapened in any sense. They don't want it to just be aesthetic and nothing else. They don't want it to just be packaged and sold to people, because that takes away from the deep meaning that people have and take from their path. But at the same time, like, <laughs> it's the horrible judgment thing that comes in. If we're like, well, she's clearly just aesthetic because she has pretty pictures. And it's like, well, a pretty picture is a quick snapshot into somebody's life. We have no idea what's happening behind the scenes. And and there are gonna be people who present themselves very well and they don't mean it, but they, they appear very you know intellectual on the surface of it or they appear to know what they're doing. And then there might be people who are like heavily into a particular aesthetic and they do mean it and they are searching. So I think we have to be careful where we're placing the judgment on people when it comes to aesthetics. You've written for Becoming Living God. We're gonna talk mm-hmm. a little bit more about that later. Mm-hmm.
0: Kind of controversial, because that's sort of known as like, bro central in a way boys club yeah yeah Mm -hmm. big boys club and i'm sure there are lots of dudes or lots of people judging you because you know you're writing in a space that's like totally like you know become a living god how Mm -hmm. do you navigate that
1: i bought pink wigs (laughs) (laughs) i have been um doing this for a very long time and i'm in become a living god because uh the powers behind the scenes uh asked me to stand for women mm. and be a, be a voice for women and to open it up to more women. And there are other women who have come in as well um, that are helping, you know, so it's not just a boys club and to open it up so it goes beyond the, oh, I don't know, the sexism that can happen in that space and it can be controversial. To me, it felt like a worthwhile investment of my time to be in a space to speak a different way to shine a light on a different perspective and stand in amongst all of that even when it's unpleasant because there is an unpleasant element that follows become a living god sometimes and i have been targeted mm-hmm. uh, with derogatory comments and, and and people following me and stalking me and and trying to take me down for being a woman but my immediate go to is if you're going to come at me for being and working with a a goddess energy, then I'm going to be more feminine. I'm going to do it more. (laughs) You're not going to stop me speaking and having a voice, which I've worked for. We have to stand within the space, take up our space, and refuse to be bullied by people who are coming in with like this incel mindset um, and telling a woman that she she doesn't know anything because she's a woman. There is, unfortunately, a small element that just seems to hate women for being women. and occasionally i'll get the odd comment which feels incel almost it feels like oh well you wouldn't ever give me the time of day so why would you and to to that i usually be like well why wouldn't i not give you the time of day why would i not have a conversation with you um and i've actually broken a couple of it walls down that way because what you're talking about is something that i believe in very much which is the need for like a a vulnerability, a rawness, because so much of social media, so much of what we understand about other people is what we see on stage. Because regardless of where we're at, whether we're on the internet, even in public, you know, we're seeing the on-stage version of who people are, and sometimes we need a little bit more rawness, a little bit more realness to say, you know what, this is happening, and this sucks when we are going through a kind of harassment and it's not okay, and we have been taught to kind of just palm it off and, and be quiet, and, and women can be the worst offenders for it. Then women are like, well, you must have encouraged them to, and you shouldn't have said something then. Or, you know, well, if you were just a little bit less opinionated, and you just kind of sat there, like, tilting your head, like, why would we want to be less opinionated? Exactly. <laughs> why? why do our opinions not matter why should we be quiet like i don't believe in anybody should like make themselves small for the comfort of other people especially when they're walking in paths of witchcraft and magic which is supposed to be at core challenging people it's it's liminal it's strange it's it's not meant to be cookie cutter and sanitized so by very definition by talking about things which are outside of society's norms we are pushing that boat out already. So why would we then try and keep ourselves small in the act of doing that? That doesn't make any sense to me.
0: Especially when women do baneful magic, that's when all the criticism comes in. It's like, it's okay if we do like that really sweet sugar and spice sort of magic. But as soon as a woman is just like, you know what? Injustice has been done to me and now I'm gonna do magic to make it right. All Mm -hmm. of a sudden, it's like society's just like, whoa you know like then we're we're labeled as like psycho when i was looking at the things that you offer with become a living god you Mm -hmm. actually offer a magic ritual to help people who feel as though the mainstream you know modes of justice have failed them can you talk a little bit more about that
1: i mean i've been through that myself i've i went through abuses in in my uh, late teens and got received no justice and it shaped me in a way that is difficult to describe and you, you take on elements of becoming a survivor and then you learn eventually to move beyond the idea of being just a survivor and to alchemize that into thriving but because I've been through that and I have been uh, touched by many different people whose lives have had an element of that in it of itself because like attracts like and people come together in this kind of trying to find meaning together and and try and overcoming the similar pain together and so when i was asked by Become a living god to put a uh, a curse ritual up i was like okay but on my terms um because they didn't have one of those and and they were talking about wanting and i was like all right but on my terms because if i'm going to do this then it has to be something that i can stand behind and believe in from a moral standpoint often females are are not given their anger that it's like they're not allowed to be enraged by situations but they're just supposed to take it. Now the ritual for hire isn't just for women it's for those who have found themselves in a place where nothing else seems to be obtaining them justice, obtaining them a sense of balance where they've been so downtrodden, so hard done by, they feel powerless and they feel that people are trying to take their power away from them on every single level. And so the ritual has been designed to cut through that noise um, and restore to them an equal energy exchange in a way to to sort of seek justice, seek, seek wrath in some ways, to, to stop their abusers dead in their tracks, to call on the morrigan in her uh, her death scream element, in her banshee element, that, that incites fear into those who are dishonourable and those who are sought, sought to cause harm. and on, And by harm, we're talking the worst kinds of harm. We're not talking about, let's have a moral debate on whether or not we should be cursing because we're all capable of having a really bad day and this person was mean to me. We're not talking about that. We're talking about degradation. We're talking about abuses. We're talking about the worst of the worst. And so that's why that ritual exists, and that's why I will stand by it. These people, of whom I understand intimately, had their power taken from them. Taken from them, ripped from them in various ways. And so when they come to that ritual and they're at their lowest ebb, I feel like it's important to have people standing there and being like, you can stand behind me, I will stand for you. You may feel broken in this moment, but you will not be alone. And I feel like that is really important to stand behind that as a ritual, as a as a service, and offer it through, become a living God. Especially because, you know, you do receive some of the some of the hate through that. So in that moment of receiving that hate, it you need to have something there that you believe in wholeheartedly to stand for. So when that comes in from outside saying, "Oh well, the Morrigan isn't powerful," blah blah blah, and and I can just stand there and I can ignore that because I know. That this ritual is helping those people that feel like they have nowhere to turn and that's important to me. One of the first things that comes to mind is this concept
0: of karma. Mm -hmm. A lot of witches they think, oh if I do curse work it's gonna come back at me threefold. That's like sort (laughs) of like, you know, the the common saying. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's true?
1: No. Um, I understand that people do hold to the Wiccan tenant but I think that is a cut-and-dry and oversimplified way of looking at life. We get into spiritual bypassing down that road as well. There is this this thing that happens, it's like, well, you should turn the other cheek, you should always forgive, you should always let them get away with it. And it's like, well, when you're at a point where you've watched them, however they've managed to do it, they've managed to cheat the system, they've got friends in high places, They they've found ways around justice, because they're you know they're sneaky then you feeling that you can't take that power back in that moment of um cursing and one of the the best ways i've heard um, cursing described is that you take that you take that venom that they've put in your veins you take that pain you take that hurt that you take all that injustice out of yourself and by the curse work puts it back where it belonged so it almost becomes like a return to sender in a way but a little bit more aggressive in terms of what you're doing i've yet to see evidence that uh there is a a threefold law and that's exactly how it happens and i think if we believe in something enough we will make it true so if we believe in the threefold law we absolutely believe it's gonna happen then we find ways of making that our reality and i understand wanting to have a moral and ethical standpoint and not be cursing willingly for no reason and you know there's a balance to all these things but no, it's, it's not been my experience to see that, you know, you, whatever you put out, you will get automatically three times back.
0: Because if that was the case, then let's talk about all these political leaders who are doing really shitty things to the world. They just mm-hmm. seem to be gaining more and more power. So rather than karma coming back at them, it almost seems as though they're just enjoying the fruits of their actions. So, yeah. I mean, guys, let's just look at the world. Let's look at reality. Ideally, Mm -hmm. justice will be served. And I know, especially in a Judeo-Christian world, there's this idea of justice, you know, like somewhere, somehow, but all I can say is in this world, in this 3D Earth system, it doesn't seem to work that way. Like, I feel a little bit sorry for those who are so scared to take justice for themselves because they're just like, oh, even if I think, of like bad things towards the per- bad energy towards the other person, then it's gonna come back at me. So I must forgive. I mm. must forgive. I must forgive. It's my fault that I don't forgive.
1: hmm It's a spiritual bypassing thing and a fixation on a positive mindset, which is actually really damaging for people. That the idea that you don't have the right to your anger, that you don't have the right to all of the emotions as if those are negative and the others are positive it's this either or mindset that happens it's like no you're supposed to have the plethora of emotions you're supposed to have all of those experiences and at some point I I feel like almost cursing becomes like almost your responsibility of self to say no more I, I will not lie down and be trampled on no more and kind of step up to that in whatever shape or form that takes for the individual. I mean if you want to forgive and you're fine with it, then okay, but there is this emphasis on you must do this, you must forgive. And it's like <sighs> and there are so many examples of it where it's not healthy. And for people who've been through, you know, sexual abuse, some of the abuses, taglines, through lines, very common are you must forgive me you love me, right? So you must forgive me. So the the idea of this spiritual bypassing that comes in for other people, then telling the people who survive that they must forgive, it puts them right back in that mindset. And it just blows my mind. The Wiccan threefold law. It's nice. I wish I put nice things out there and they always came back three times, right? I'm going to just, I'm going to put some money over here. It's going to come back to me three times more. That would be great. But it's, it's not my experience with it. It's it's not something that I can feel and see and quantify. So who is it serving? It's control. It's control from people who have an agenda to sell.
0: I love that. It's like magic based, I think, in reality. And the reality is there are shadow parts to life. And if you're okay swimming in the shadows, maybe you need to, but if you want to get out of the shadows, then I mean, magic, witchcraft, who practiced it. It was people who didn't have, historically, modes to mainstream power. Women, people of color, um, transgendered people, LGBTQ. These were people who would get killed, who would get ostracized at best if they went through just mainstream modes of society, and therefore they were using magic to try to help, I guess, shift the odds to their favor. It didn't, Mm. it's not 100%. But it, sh- it helps to shift the odds. It helps to kind of wax the bowling alley a bit so that you can mm-hmm. at least try to get a level playing field. To me, that's mm-hmm. what life is. And there's yeah. no shame in trying to create some equity if you yeah. are in a position where you don't have power.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Just so that we
0: can go over sort of like Magic 101, you know, how to do like a ritual very well. Mm-hmm. A lot of magic is about first getting into an altered state. Yep. A lot of magic also is about building a relationship with uh, a deity. And Mm -hmm. people get caught up in the word deity. We're just using that word. You could call it whatever you want. And then using things that are in this world, like plants, mirrors, you know, kind of like props in this world to help ground the magic. And your ritual had all three elements. How did you develop this ritual?
1: Well the Death Scream in and of itself is something that I realized was happening in the process of my own subconscious before i realized what was entirely happening so i I had been sensitive to spirits from being very very young and something that had been happening to me quite a lot is that i was waking up in the middle of the night and i was feeling under energetic attack and i was screaming and i would i'd been a witch for a long time at this point and i was getting really cross with myself like you've been a witch for how many years things are still managing to get through the through the everything somehow so i was like beating myself up about it and you're screaming at them you're like you're terrified you're like screaming because of them and i just had this moment of complete clarity that was like think again and i was like hmm and what was actually happening is that i wasn't screaming in fear because of it i was screaming in response to it i was screaming at it and i realized it was a more organic practice that was based in her mythology so particularly with regards to her crone aspect of Bave, or in some cases, Nemain, which some associate with her, there is a rich mythology based around the, the screaming and what that means. It's a death scream, a scream of the banshee calling forth death. And in the case of Nemain, her scream killed people. It just, in the mythology, that's what it did. And so that's the beginning of it. That is something that was happening to me And meant something to me and I'd had a moment of of clarity of realizing that it wasn't what I thought it was it was actually a subconscious tool in some way Um, because I was literally night of the living dead sitting like sitting up and like screaming like it felt quite zombie like and then like just screaming and then I would wake myself up doing it and so I was like okay how do we incorporate this into a system that works for other people And that that became realizing that death screaming doesn't have to be one pitch. It doesn't have to be one kind of scream. It doesn't have to be uh, one idea. And it was taking it from the subconscious into a more proactive level. And then you shape ritual around what that means and and how you would use that to defend other people. And like you said, a lot of the, the tools around it are going to be pomp and circumstance. It's going to be to elevate and to put me into a trance mode of what it means to step beyond and embody and take on the energies of of the spirit of morrigan and put myself into a position where that is more directed and so the ritual kind of was created around the concept that had just naturally occurred to me within my own practice
0: so you're mentioning now morrigan is Mm -hmm. it morrigan or the morrigan
1: The Morrigan tends to be what is used um, as a title. It depends on your perspective. So the difficult thing with a lot of the mythology is that how much of it we're missing and it is how much people interpret it. So some people say is the Morrigan because she has more than one aspect or because it's more than one goddess uh, forming a triple goddess and that is debated. Um, Morrigan works as, as a title like an overarching title, and some people feel that Morrigan is actually one of her aspects. So some people feel that Morrigan without the is the aspect rather than the overarching. So you can use either. Um, it all gets a bit confusing because she has like a shapeshifter element to her, which is like the primary thing that I connect with with her. So it all becomes a bit fluid and trying to escape definition because. Like we talked about earlier, when you get too much into a definition of what something is, then it doesn't allow for an expansion or a growth, but you can use either. I
0: don't know much about, I'm just gonna say the Morgan. Mm -hmm. I don't know much about the Morgan and I really don't know much about Banshees. I've heard of the Banshees because, you know, that punk band, Susie and the Banshees. (laughs) That's the only reason why I know that word even. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe a lot of the audience probably has a lot of misconceptions if they've heard of her. Can you tell me? Who who is the Morrigan? Who are the Banshees?
1: She's a goddess of war, death and strife and rebirth and shapeshifting. The goddess Morrigan is considered to be a Celtic goddess of war, death, rebirth and shapeshifting. And for me, I connect with her shapeshifter element more than any other. She is tied currently to Ireland more than any other place in the world. You can make arguments of tracing her lineage back to, to proto uh, roots and, and see similarities. But she has evolved from that point. She now is a very strong presence within many witchcraft practitioners lives in that she has evolved and what it means to work with her has evolved and what war is has evolved and what shape-shifting has is evolving and so she's very primal very fiery you'll find her associated with ravens and death and banshees in particular are the death aspect they are irish spirits foretellers of death that to hear the banshee scream in mythology was to know that death was coming and so that those elements are tied into her mythology in a way which is loose and people aren't 100% sure because of the nature of mythology.
0: Dark goddesses are kind of having their day right now. Like, how did you get into the Morgan?
1: Well, for a very long time, I worked in abstracts. I didn't work with specific deity. I worked in the idea of energy. I worked in the idea of the masculine and the feminine concept, and I was fine with it. I was absolutely fine with it. Um, I had prayed to that one. Oh prayed in the loosest sense to mother my entire life Um, and so I I came to realize later that the Morrigan had always been with me it was just not that I I hadn't happened upon the realization of that was the title for for who it was I felt connected to or the spirit or the energy or, or that's how the perception of her is within this reality so i came to a point where i did want to know and then i started realizing that there were so many synchronicities that all pointed to the morrigan i studied history and mythology and the one of the only ones that i had not touched on was celtic which given that i grew up in england is strange that we had never touched on celtic mythology and we'd never touched on the history there were other things i had written a piece of poetry a couple of months before and the line the silent watcher at the ford had been in my head i didn't know where it had come from it was just part of it and it's one of her titles and there was just all these little moments of synchronicity and then i came to the realization of like i want to know who it is and then i was trancing out and i was having full-blown experiences with uh spirits and and her coming forward and being like testing so there was a lot of a testing Energy that came through to her and she was one of the things that felt to me that was being asked of me was would you change your life given the opportunity would you take back all the terrible things that you have seen and my answer to that was like well no because I don't know who I would be otherwise that I wouldn't you know wish terrible things on anybody but at the same time I am who I am today because I've overcome all of this that was the right answer clearly so (laughs) that's how i stepped into knowing or at least a semblance of knowing it's the human way of understanding this energy it's the human titles that we have given to her and the way that we understand in our limited little human big goddess way of perception that we have available to us currently so that's how i arrived at, at knowing that it was her and th- and then I haven't really doubted it since.
0: Can you explain more about what her energy is like? Because it sounds like she's a mother, but she's like the goddess of war? That's- that seems very contradictory.
1: Well, are women allowed to be angry? Are women allowed to be wrathful? So if not, why do we- women who are mothers naturally fit into a stereotype of being a nurturer? For me a mother energy is not necessarily the way that the Christocentric way of what a mother should be is presented. They can be fierce, they can be ferocious, they can kill for their children, they can go through hell and high water and their bodies go through hell just to bring children into the world. I think people get fixated in the idea that motherhood is sweet and gentle at all points and sometimes it is, but there's also a ferocity to it and there's also going beyond what the idea of mother and mother and child means. What does it mean to be mother to a tribe? What does it mean to be mother to a nation? What does it mean to be mother to an idea, uh, a political rebelling, rallying cry for change? It doesn't necessarily have to be one form of what mother means and nor does daughter. So It also for me was deeply healing. I had a terrible relationship with both my mother and my father. So for me, the morrigan was what I had always wanted in a mother, someone that was firm, tough, but fair. And when she was proud of you, you knew it. And it wasn't necessarily about um, running to you and making you feel better in any moment. It was like, you know, you can get up. I know you can, I believe in you do it. And it's that energy of, of motherhood that comes through with her it's personal for me really it's a a large part of it is about healing me and and that's why i call myself her daughter
0: i like how you bring up that mothers don't always have to be that gentle sort of stereotypical kindergarten teacher type mama Mm -hmm. bears right you don't want to mess with a mother bear Mm -mm. fierce and yeah like my sister she just gave birth And you know, so I have like a a two month old nephew now and the amount of just extreme pain that she had to go through to give birth and yet now her body is nourishing this child. Mm -hmm. And just from her breast milk, this baby is like, you know, like huge. So when you say that you're a daughter, if mothers Mm. can be many different types, what do you mean by daughter?
1: I think for me it's more of a title than it is anything else. It's the same for me. It's the same as saying priestess. It's the same as as saying witch. It's just a ter- well. It's a term of endearment in a way that strengthens a bond, and it is a title. It it doesn't necessarily have to mean that I am the the legitimate offspring of the Morrigan or anything like that. It, for me, it's more about empowerment. It's more about belonging and tribe. So it's that same thing that you know. Daughters don't have to be. Of blood the same way that children don't have to be the ones you gave birth to necessarily it's those that you have chosen to take on and it has that vibe to it like the the morrigan chooses who she speaks to she chooses who she takes on Um, frequently there are those who have been through periods of feeling broken and alone and she stands by them and so it's it's kind of a, an honorific title to me, I think.
0: How did you know that it was the Morrigan?
1: Well, the first time she ever showed up, I didn't. I thought it was a man. I thought it was a masculine entity. And I, I had a feeling like it was the, by that point I'd had all these different synchronicities and I felt in my, in my mind and my heart and soul, like Morrigan was the energy behind all these little clues of who it was. The first time I went into trance and had a visual of who it was, I thought it was a like an envoy or a messenger because there was this deep booming voice that sounded masculine and the shoulders were really broad with like black feathered cloaks over and the, the face was hidden down to the mouth and so the visualization was testing on purpose which is something that happens with the morrigan she pushes she shapeshifts, she tests she goes to see what your answers would be and so the first time I, I saw her I didn't think she was her but her energy is kind of in you can't really mistake it once you've felt it because it is just imprinted with all of this power and empowerment and sovereignty and this battle energy and she's uh, very insistent and very direct
0: you say that she chooses her mm-hmm. children does this mean like okay let's say somebody's watching this video and they're mm-hmm. like oh my god the morgan sounds really cool i think i want to start working with her that's not how it works
1: that has not been my experience and has not been the experience of anyone that i have known who has gone through working with a morrigan and that's because it's she's not really an energy that you arrive to by thinking that might be a cool choice for the weekend her energy is something that people arrive to because they have been broken at court they have been through the worst experiences that human beings can be through and they found her along the way and so For me, it doesn't seem to be the case that people who just think they can pick it up and drop it find her that way, because it's much more of a serious commitment than that. It is the absolute resolution to, I have been broken, I have been hurting, and I will keep fighting until I find myself in a place of thriving, and then I will still keep fighting, whether it's for myself and or to assist others in similar situations. I think it takes a very particular kind of path for you to arrive on the, at the shores of the Morrigan. And those experiences, I wouldn't wish on anybody. So it's, it's kind of like a dual edged sword. It's like, well, I would like you to know her energy, but at the same time, it feels like there's a cost that I wouldn't put on anybody. But if they have had those experiences, if they have found themselves through the morrigan, then that will enrich them and, and help them to overcome. I couldn't wish it on anyone. So when people say, can anyone, I'm just like, well... When you say not everyone will work with the morrigan, people get upset about it. Because you it's like you're saying, she's not accessible to everyone, and I'm an elite club, and you're not, blah, blah. And it's like, no, it's not like, it's really not like that. It's, are you sure this is something that you want? Because the other part of it is she holds, those who work to her with her to a really high standard a high standard of ethics and morals there is no get out of jail free card there is no like suddenly slipping into like not doing what it is that you've set out to do and you find yourself being put through the ringer on many occasions you will find yourself tried and tested and forged by this path and that's not for everybody some people need the gentle loving sweet mother and so if they need that energy within their life then this energy is not for them. I mean most recently I only got through a particular situation because I had a um, a Soul Sister help me through it otherwise I I just found myself on the bathroom floor at three in the morning crying like feeling defeated like how did I get here again? How did I let myself down to feel this low again? Unfortunately I had a support system in place which helped me through that as well as my own resilience to overcome it. And so through, and that's as recent as six months ago and now my life is completely and utterly changed from that point point. And, sh- and it was the morrigan leading me to what I said I had wanted, which was independence. I, w- I wanted to feel independent again. The community came out in thousands upon thousands of people, no exaggeration, seeking to help me out of this horrible situation. So I was trying desperately to deal with that situation, the ending of that situation by myself, because I've had the f- in my head that I should be able to deal with it by myself somehow, and there was no way. I'd been isolated, and if I had adhered to that, I would have been ruined by it. And the morrigan was like, you're gonna have to break, you're gonna have to cry, you're gonna have to ask for help, because I hate asking for help, I hate doing it. And so because I hate doing it, guess what, you're afraid of it, so it's a lesson, get going with it, so it's that again. So she had me break, and once I did, thousands upon thousands of people showed up, and they helped me move, They the people came out for me, people came and collected me, people donated money to help me get away from this terrible situation which had drained me of life, and money, and happiness, and people helped, helped me in their thousands, and it, it showed me sisterhood, it showed me community people are under this impression that, oh my God, once a goddess, a dark goddess
0: chooses me, I'm going to be invincible. My life is going to be great. I'll have this protector in the dark goddess. And from this point on, all the trauma, all the bullshit, it's behind me, I'm set. And I find that Mm -hmm. that's actually, sometimes the opposite happens. Mm -hmm. You're pushed into the fire. You have to lean into the fire even more. This is the reason why I think spiritual bypassing is so dangerous, because you do have to walk through that fire, you have to walk through that shadow of the valley of death to be Mm -hmm. able to experience the ecstasy of being lifted up. You know, like the moment that you decided to be vulnerable and ask for help, you experience something that I think most people don't ever experience, which is to have thousands of people reach out to you. And that is like the world hugging you. That's like a warmth that's beyond just like your inner circle. Mm -hmm. And so you have to go through that shadow to experience that sort of world anima mundi hug. You are also creating lots of magical materials um, Mm -hmm. in your store.
1: Well, initially I was making them for myself and I had been taking pictures and I was getting so many requests to sell them and so in the end i was like okay this is something that i could do with my life for me there's a story woven into each and every item there is a soul in in there and if there is not a soul then things feel like an oil with some herbs in it and it feels dead i've definitely had situations where i bought things and been like <laughs> and then people are like oh well you have to infuse your magic into it and i'm like no if you can't feel like the power behind the magical item when it arrives something's very wrong yet yeah. yes you should absolutely do some work too but like a magical item should never feel there's nothing there so i do a lot of custom work someone will probably usually come to me and they'll say can i have a this this and that a candle a smudge some stick incenses for the uh, the goddess kali or for, or for the energy of luck or something around that and i'm like okay and you double check if there's some, anything that they really need in that in that space like Is there anything you're allergic to? Is there anything you really don't like? Is there any scent that's gonna make you heave? Like, get an idea of who they are. And depending on what it is, you'll get a sense of the person. So sometimes they're more personal sets, they're more about like surviving and, and alchemizing and that pain and that things that they need to get through. And sometimes it's literally, I want some money, can you help me? And can you make physical items for that? So depending on where it is at, and then it becomes a story, it becomes an energy depending on the god or goddess, depending on how much I know or don't know, I will then do research. So if I don't know anything about the particular deity that someone comes to me about, if it's outside of that which I've read upon, I will go research on it. I'll go read some of the mythology. I'll get a general understanding before knocking on any deity's door, because I feel like that's a term of respect. It's kind of like getting to know the energy before you know the energy. Hmm. And so you get an idea of who they are and what they stand for or the it's slightly different when it's like money magic because we all know what money magic is um but i feel that there needs to be a through line a story and so with like money magic my immediate thought is it needs to be bright breezy upbeat positive and keep going Because a lot of people go with money magic and they're like, it just needs to draw in money. And I'm like, no, it needs to elevate you. It needs to, so you feel positive. Because there's nothing worse than when you get into a bad state of money and everything feels like it's closing in around you. And you can't see outside of that feeling to generate more money in your money magic because that's gonna have a follow on through. So instead we create an energy, a soul, a harmony of like, it's gonna be okay, we're gonna open these roads, we're gonna open these opportunities, we're gonna bring in some money, we're gonna like, everything is going to be attended to in this space. And then when it's deity, it's creating something to honor them and their path with someone else that you feel that they would be happy with. And it kind of resonates around the energy as you see them, depending on the meditation, because I, I will meditate, I will journey through the physical creation of, of items. You might get an image, a feeling, a smell, an idea, a vibration and then you create that story woven into the energies of physical products. So those physical things should look like, feel like and tell the story of what it means to connect to that energy and they should never be done. That reminds me so
0: much of what Aidan Wachter says in his book Six Ways, which is that going back to the idea of aesthetics, aesthetics are inherently magical, there are some things that just look and feel and smell and vibe in a way that makes you feel more magical. I mean, Mm -hmm. what feels more magical, like going into like a room that, I don't know, is filled with stuff that you consider to be like work. Like you work at a corporate job that you hate. Or if you Mm -hmm. go into a room that's filled with things that to you remind you of a magical time in your life. Maybe you went to Italy. And you went to the beach and it's, you know, the place is filled with stuff from that beach that puts you back into that mindset. And I think a lot of people, they get hung up on the fact that, oh, you know, like these oils and these things that I'm buying on Etsy. I don't want to like shit on Etsy, but, you know, there's a lot of sellers on there who just got into this like a year ago because it's profitable. You know, they're Mm -hmm. hustling, whatever. You can't hate the hustle. But the thing is, is that they may not understand that there is an entire, like you said, story around magic. Mm -hmm. That story in itself, when you're doing a spell, you are basically spelling out what your reality is. You're creating a story of what your reality wants to be. When you work with well-charged magical items, your magic just goes like, whew, like it just Mm -hmm. elevates.
1: I've actually had people be more blown away by their results than they were anticipating, than they were expecting. And the whole point of the items, at least that I make, is I want them to be evocative. I want them to affect you so you can affect your magic. So one of the easiest ways of describing that is through either the smudges or the anointing oils, both of which are heavily scented with essential oils and, and, and herbs and things. The creation of smudges, for example, is meant to, when you burn it, create an energetic vibrational shift in the space in which you are burning it and it's infused with all of that. And it, and the scent of that though will evoke something in you. So the, the combination of different scent is something that I love. I love this kind of perfume magic almost. And it's this woven song of symphony of different scents that hit different notes and take you to different places and trigger different memories. Even if the memories aren't of this incarnation, even if they go deeper into the soul memory than it is something that you can understand, those things should evoke a response in you and your soul should recognize the feeling and the scent and the look and the feel of something so then you start tapping into that that magical process within for yourself and that's why i do it it's very important to me and it has helped it has helped people which is another reason why i do it because i feel that magical items should help people otherwise what's the point
0: How would somebody know what sort of magical materials to buy? Like, there's so many stores, so many
1: choices right now. Yours is quite a well-known store, Mm -hmm. but how do you know who's legit? It can be trial and error, unfortunately, within that, or you can talk to people. Um, This is why I'm really uh, honored when people come and they review things, because I think that can be really helpful, and that's on us. Um, to promote who we believe in. I've been doing this every month or so with like the creepy cute stuff that I do on YouTube and so every so often I'll bring in like a witch store that I really believe in. Um, last month I brought in a Cavolta, and they work with a lot of poisons and I'm like yeah I support the p- out of this because this is great and their aesthetic is and their sense work and so the responsibility often comes to us to be well informed but also on witches to share that which works for them and and word of mouth is a huge deal in witchcraft stuff because a lot of the time there is a censorship thing that's happening it's happening even more so now i'm surprised etsy sellers are still getting away with it honestly because last time i heard etsy was clamping down on magical items how can somebody make their own
0: magical materials because i think a lot of people Especially new witches, they're like, "Ooh, I'm gonna try, and I'm gonna mix all these ingredients, and the results, they get really disappointed."
1: I think natural talent is def- definitely gonna make a huge difference because you know whether you're a singer or not, you know whether you're a musical or not, and this is no different. Witchcraft is an art; it's something that is definitely built upon, and you definitely learn as you go, and you, you know, learn new methodologies, you learn new ways of doing things you get better at it over time and unfortunately a lot of people don't want to put that investment into their magical creations because that is is—it's a, a time sink and it, it's frustrating, it can be frustrating and, and things can and will go horribly wrong even for people who do this you know, day in day out I'll have days when certain candles will not work and there's no reason for it, they've just decided that day that candles are not going to work no matter what you do and you're doing everything the same way you you usually do it. There is no reason for it. And some days it just, it just doesn't want to cooperate, especially with its magical items because there's all these energies around it and the spirits around it. So
0: for me, it's always sort of like this idea that, oh, the things that you make yourself are always gonna be superior. Well, I don't know about that because I've tried to put together Ikea furniture and I can't. <laughs> It's always going to be lopsided, but, you know, like, if somebody needs, like, some help in putting on some eyeliner, I'm always there.
1: I don't think there's anything wrong with supporting other witches in business, as as long as you know that, you know, they're authentic, they mean it, it's their passion.
0: You know, that Instagram witch thing where it's, like, the whole lifestyle where you're just on
1: point Mm. with everything?
0: I don't know about you, Joey, but... You know, there's a lot of stuff in my life where I'm just like, wow, I am just totally shitty at this, I'm failing at this, and I still consider myself to be a
1: witch. I think people in that circumstance are taking the human out of what it means to be a witch. They're they're taking out that everybody has, you know, everybody has bad days, everyone has days when they don't get out of their pajamas, everyone has days when they're sick, everyone has human experiences, and they're all just as valid as anything else. There isn't one way to be a witch and that is delving a little bit again into that Instagram aesthetic, the negative side of what an aesthetic is. Like if my life doesn't look as perfect as this aesthetic of what witchcraft is, then I have failed. And it's like nobody's life looks like that. There are filters, they've been, that, that has been taken on purpose. It's been taken on purpose whether it's for Instagram or because it looked like a really cool shot and then it was put on Instagram. But people pick and choose what they share with the world. And to, to some degree, I try and like, I play with that on purpose. So I, on purpose, will like put pictures up uh, of me with no makeup some days, and then some days I'm like in full ritual, like with the, the, the gemstones and the makeup and all of it. Because I, I like to try and show that there is many different ways to play with this. It doesn't have to be one way, and it can tailor into what your witchcraft is. So sometimes, It's going to be dirty and in the mud and you're going to be falling on your ass and it's going to look (laughs) terrible to the outside world, you know, but it's, it doesn't take away what the experience means to you. Um, and I think we become a little bit too obsessive sometimes about how our path looks to other people rather than what it means to us. Um, and it's like this being judged thing and it's very easy to fall into that trap on social media because everybody's looking at you. Everyone wants to know how you're doing things. How are you doing witchcraft? What does that mean? How does that look? And it's like, it doesn't have to look like anything unless you feel it needs to look that way. (laughs) That's where the importance Mm. is, where you place it.
0: And I think that's what maybe a lot of beginner witches don't realize, like their entire life, if it's magical, everything they do, including the magical materials they make is also going to be magical because it's sort of like, it's going to contaminate
1: in the best way. everything Mm. else in their life you're always a witch underneath at all points Um, and that's the difference I think you 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 know that's within you and who you are so yeah
0: and you know what there are lots of women that I know who may not identify as a witch and may not even consider themselves in any way magical So these are just regular people and yet some of these regular people are the witchiest people that I know. It's like such a mindset issue that there are people who don't do the spells, who don't do the rituals, and yet their life is so magical and you can feel it. You Mm. can feel it and when you're in their presence, you're just like, this bitch is a witch. (laughs) You know, you just (laughs) know it. I personally think that poetry, aesthetics, all those things, like that state of mind that you get into is so important. And that's one of the reasons why I think for my interviews, the the part of the interview where I asked the magician, what are the three songs that represent your magic the most? The most popular part, hands down. Because I think <laughs> that music, it can definitely alter your state of consciousness. So, Joey, mm-hmm. what are your three songs?
1: Uh, the first one is probably In This Moment, Roots. roots
0: um
1: that's probably the more, more organic side of me, and it's 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 very much like, thank you for everything you've put me through, and thank you for allowing me to put my roots down into the ground, and I will be resilient, and I will still be here. And that song just does things to me, and, to, and ritual too. It, it makes me feel empowered. It makes me feel emboldened and, and fired up. It really does, there's something about it. So that would definitely be the first one. I think for the second one, I'm going to go a little bit lighter. The second one would probably be Curly Stardust. Wow. And that is, because again, like I feel like I, I, I flip between aesthetics. So on one hand, it's very like Morrigan, grrr, and, <laughs> and like warrior. And then on the other hand, it's like things that sparkle and, in, and interconnectedness and the things that join us and, and finding our purpose through this, this gentleness and honoring who we are in transition. And I guess the final one that I, I was looking at, because it's difficult for me, because it's like, well, there's so many. Yeah. <laughs> but the final one, I think, is um, Dorothy, which is uh, Whiskey. whiskey, whiskey, whiskey fever, yeah. And it's it's fun. It's, it's empowered, but it's also fun. And it's kind of like challenging in a way. It's like a push-pull challenging kind of song that is kind of like, the things that intoxicate us and make us like kind of crave more and pushing outside of who we're told to be as well a little bit in that song. So those are the three that uh, I was sitting there thinking it's probably those three.
0: (laughs) I feel like one of the great takeaways from talking to you is that, you know, there are no rules. There are no like, this is what you need to do to become a witch. This is what you need to do to get contact from the morgan. This is what you have to do. Your life has to be perfect or anything like that. It's sort of like, it truly is like authenticity, vulnerability and bringing in this like true you. And that in itself is like building up the spiral of magic in you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Who are you underneath? And peeling back the layers of who people have told you to be and finding who you are underneath. Yeah, so guys, spiritual bypassing,
0: probably not the best idea if you want to become truly authentic and within your power. You mm-hmm. got to go through shit, you know, and I, trust me, I went through some shit, Joey's went through some shit. When you look back at the shit that you've gone through, you're going to be like, okay, I see why I had to go through When you're going through it, it sucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but afterwards, you're just like, I see why. And it brings depth to your character and people who are too afraid to go through shit. Don't go looking for shit. You know what I mean? Don't be an idiot. (laughs) Don't don't be afraid of it. No. No. It builds you. It builds you. (laughs) So guys, I'm going to put down below all the links to Joey's store, her books, her one-on-one curse work that you can book with her from Become a Living God. I know a lot of people who watch this channel are going to be like, oh, Become a Living God, you know, like they're kind of against it. But it's sort of like, Mm. let's not put too much judgment on just the champ. You know what I mean? It's like, let's not throw the baby out with the (laughs) bathwater.
1: I'm not all bad. I promise.
0: Joey, thank you so much for speaking with me today and being so open about your journey.
1: Well, thank you for having me. It's been great. (laughs)
0: everyone thank you so much for listening to the witches and wine audio experience if you enjoyed this podcast please consider supporting me on patreon you can choose between a few membership tiers they're super affordable and flexible your membership helps me continue making videos podcasts articles lots of different things about all the sweet witchy stuff links are in the show notes Also, don't forget to go on iTunes and give this a five-star rating. Each five-star rating helps rank this podcast higher in searches, so that as many witches can find and enjoy these episodes as well. Until next time, this is Chawan, signing off.